Over these past three weeks, we've talked about our Pentecostal distinctives, the things that we believe are about the life and the power of the Spirit of God at work within our lives, at work within our church, at work within our gathering and in our going. And we talked also about what it is to make disciples and some of the, 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 the structures and systems that we, that we have drawn from Scripture that help us in this. We talked last week about the way of the disciple and how it is that each and every disciple grows in their faith. Tonight, um, we're going to talk, having ended last week with, with the sense that we should go, that we should go. And I don't just mean we came to the end of our Sunday night and then you had to go. I mean that Jesus tells us to go. Go into all the world and make disciples. Go to your home and make disciples. Go to your office, go to your school, go to your factory, go to your shop, go to your street, go to your neighborhood and make disciples. If Jesus tells us to go, this evening we're going to ask ourselves, well, why do we go? Why do we form our church life in a very particular way? Can we form our individual lives in the same way? And go in the grace of God. Jesus Christ, he tells us to go, um, but he's already told us to come first. And this is incredibly good news. Because if the first thing you heard from Jesus was go, I don't know about you, but I I would feel a little bit unloved. (laughs) And I would also feel thoroughly inadequate. Anybody else? Uh, Rather, Jesus, first of all, invites us invites us. Does anybody want an invitation from Jesus? Yeah? Good news. You've got one. And Jesus, and if you look at the pattern of how he drew his disciples to himself, he invites them to come first. Initially, he invites them to to come and see. Come and see what he's all about. Come and see his nature, his character, his calling, his mission. He invites them to come and see him and what he's doing. And then as they do so, for, for those who were, who were wanting to, to know more and go deeper and follow him closely, he, he invites them that way. He says, come and follow. Because I don't know about you, um, but I, I, I think it's good for us to recognize that Christianity, it's not a spectator sport. In fact, just yesterday, we were privileged to be at a prayer gathering over in Liverpool. Um, it was great to see so many from the church there. And, and there we were over in Aintree praying about the upcoming um, Billy Graham Evangelistic Association tour. And uh, one of the speakers on that day, from the front as he was leading us in prayer, he said, Christianity is not a spectator sport. He said, it's a full contact sport. And I really like that. <laughs> I like the idea that you just have to get in there. Um, I don't know if any of you will be watching the Super Bowl. I know maybe one or two of you will. Upcoming. It's that kind of full contact sport. This is not just kind of something that you skirt around the edges. If you see Jesus, if you get to know Jesus, if you like what you see, and, and to be honest, how can you not? Jesus is incredible. Then Jesus says, come on, stop standing on the sidelines watching. Come and follow me. And his disciples did. And they followed him through thick and thin, through their successes and their failures, through their understanding and their confusion. They followed, and they followed him further and further, learning and growing and developing in him. Come and see. Come and follow. And then Jesus Christ, knowing that his journey, his life, was about dying on the cross, dying once to save all from their sins. He says to us, well, this is the way I'm calling you. Come also and die. And Jesus says to his disciples, and that includes us, he says, take up your cross and follow me. 
A cross has one meaning and one purpose. It is to put to death. And Jesus Christ is inviting us to put to death, to put to death our sinful nature, to put to death the lordship and mastery of our own lives, to put to death the way of the flesh and to live according to the way of the spirit. And this is the invitation of Jesus Christ having invited us in these things, allowing us to put to death our life according to his grace, he gives us better life. Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and life in all its fullness. The good news of Jesus is incredibly good news. And this is the Jesus who, having welcomed you in this way, then says, go. Then says, go, because someone else needs to know. Someone else needs to find me. Someone else needs my love and my care and my grace. In 1 Peter 3 and verse 15, um, in the Bible there, we find um, a very well-known verse in Scripture. It's sometimes referred to as the evangelist's verse. But I, I don't for a minute want to restrict this just to those who might consider themselves capital E evangelists as, as, as much of a blessing as they are to the church. Actually, this is an everybody verse. And the Bible here says in 1 Peter 3 and verse 15, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. The truth of the matter is, when Jesus Jesus says to us, go, what he's doing is he's giving purpose to our going. You can't be static in life, can you? Time passes. There's nothing you can do about it. It's moving on. You have to go from place to place, scenario to scenario. You have to meet people, people after people after people. Your life is in a journey. And Jesus is asking us that our lives might not just be a going, but a going with meaning, a going with purpose. And here's the purpose. The purpose of our lives in our going firstly begins with lives that look like Jesus, lives that represent him well. And there's a challenge here, isn't there? Do our lives represent Jesus well? The Bible says, in your heart, honor Christ as holy. Honor Christ the Lord as holy. Do your lives look as though they are set apart to honoring Jesus? The way you speak, does it honor Jesus? The things that you, you, you look at and listen to and bring into your mind, do they honor Jesus? And then the things that you think about in your mind or, or have going on within your heart, do they honor Jesus? The things that you invest your time or energy or money in, do they honor Jesus? The, the, the way of life is the foundation for a life that is going with the gospel. And what then does this look like? Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Always be prepared. I don't know whether you realize the Bible got there before the scouts. Always be prepared. Sometimes as Christians, we can fall into the trap of thinking about the gospel on a Sunday. And I suppose if anybody was to ask us about the hope that we hold on a Sunday, then we would be prepared. But all too often, Monday comes, life can get busy, 
pressures come, things will take our attention and we find ourselves ill-prepared. Ill-prepared to notice people who are looking and listening and watching our lives and maybe have questions or, or hurts and hopes. We need to be always prepared for these folks. And, and Christians recognize the Bible is teaching us always be prepared that you may give an answer. You may give a defense for the hope that you hold. Does anybody here this evening have hope in Jesus Christ? Well, then your best place to explain to your neighbor why. I can't. I don't have your testimony. I didn't live it. I don't know how you came to faith. Well, I do for some of you, but I don't know for all of you. I don't know your stresses and strains and how Jesus has met you in those places and graciously carried you through, but you know these things. Do you think on them? Do you prepare them? Do you consider how you might share your story of coming to faith in Jesus and how it is that he has loved you and carried you through until this day, until the day of his coming? He's going to do just the same. Now, you might say, if somebody asks me, well, I'm not too worried. I'll, I'll just ask the person who's leading my transform community or I'll ask my, my good friend who's a bit more mature in the faith or, or I'll get them to call Pastor Greg. I'm not going to give out my phone number. I don't know. But... Uh, that's not what it is to always be prepared. Always be prepared. It's not passing the buck. It's not saying, oh, it doesn't matter. There's somebody who will. The Bible is saying, it's you. It's you. You, know, you may not be called to be a capital E evangelist, but everybody in the Bible is called to be a witness. Every disciple, every follower of Jesus, everybody is sent by Jesus. He says, go to them all. And you are all called to witness to what Jesus Christ has done in your life. We've mentioned it already a number of times that Jesus tells us to go and make disciples. It's Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. We find that, that commissioning of Jesus Christ, that all authority in heaven and earth have been given to Jesus. And so he commissions us in that authority. He says, go into all the world and make disciples. And we're supposed to teach them to obey everything he's commanded. We're supposed to baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the promise of God to people who will go, who will witness who will share. This is the promise of God. He says, behold, I will be with you. I am with you, even to the end of the age. Very often, probably too often, I'm aware of, I come across Christians and they're, they're wanting more and more of the presence of God. It's a good thing. But we fail to heed the commissioning of Jesus. He promises his presence to the goers. He promises his presence to the witnesses. He promises his presence to disciple makers, to baptizers, to those who teach the obedience to the way of God. He promises his presence there. If we want to know the presence of God, if we want to be living in the wonder of God with us in all its fullness, are we going? Are we going? I promise you, you'll find Jesus there. Now, this is the way of the disciple. These are some of the whys of our going. But there's a why that is more fundamental than that. You see, it's all well and good for me telling you some of the scriptures. It's all well and good for me recounting some of the, the commissionings and the sendings of Jesus. But unless there's a why in your heart, 
It doesn't matter how many whys I put in your head. It really isn't going to make any difference. I don't know whether you were watching the telly this afternoon and seeing Valiant, Gutsy, Tranmere doing their level best to try and uh, slay the might of the Red Devils. It seems with their nickname, they really do need slaying, don't you think? Uh, a terrible thing. <laughs> and I suppose the best we could have hoped for was maybe like a one-all draw or maybe a nil-nil or something in a replay back at Old Trafford uh, where the, the silky passing football of Tranmere could have really come alive. <laughs> but... Uh, it wasn't to be. And of course, I suppose, if you were to ask any of those thousands of folks who filled the stands um, this afternoon at Prenton Park, intellectually, do you really believe that you've got a chance of winning this game? You'd be hard-pressed to find any who could really maintain that argument. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe there was a very outside, outside, outside chance. So far outside, it was probably on Borough Road or, or further away than that. Just a slight. But they were there, weren't they? The stands were full. Did you hear the shouting? I, I, you may have heard it on the telly. Maybe you went out your front door and heard it. Anybody? You know, they, they make a racket, don't they? It's pretty fantastic. They weren't there because of an intellectual argument. They weren't there because they'd been convinced of the logic of the chances and the possibilities that maybe, maybe, maybe. They were there because of heart. They were there because there were going to be 11 folks on the, on the field and, and Mickey Mellon yelling at them. And they were there because they were going to be there with their kindred spirits cheering them on and hoping beyond hope. And even if not, they were going to have a, a, a fantastic time in the meantime. They were there because of heart. Now, why do I say this? Because I can share with you the reasons and the understandings and the truths of, of why go. But unless God grants us a heart for those that we're going to, I don't believe you're going to go. I don't say that as an accusation. I say that as, as a realization that we need a deeper why. We need a heart for the lost. Jesus had a heart for the lost. In Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, Jesus said, the reason the Son of Man appeared, that they're talking about himself, was to seek and to save the lost. That included you once upon a time. But Jesus, he, he sought you, didn't he? And he saved you, didn't he? Oh, do I need to do a gospel appeal now? Is anybody here saved this evening? Yeah? Because Jesus, he found you, didn't he? And he found you and he brought the good news of life to you and he saved you. He knew his why. And I wonder, Christians, do we know our why? Not just up here in our heads, but do we know it here in our hearts? Has Jesus granted to us that, that, that desire, that, that gut-wrenching desire to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ? Again, there we were at that prayer meeting yesterday and they were talking about the potential 11,000 people who might be at this event in the summer. And they were saying, Let, let's not have 11,000 Christians Let's make sure it's half and half. 
you know, half Christians and half those that we've brought along to the event. I'm sure you're starting to pray about those people already. But they were talking about it. And I don't know about anybody else in that room, but I just started to visualize five and a half thousand people. In my head, I rounded it up to 6,000 because I thought, we don't need so many Christians. Let's have more non-Christians. And I imagine 6,000 people streaming forward to receive Jesus Christ as Lord. I got pretty choked up about that. I was moved quite powerfully. The Spirit of God was present in that place. But I was moved powerfully about the very thought of folks coming into the kingdom of God. It was in my heart that I was longing for this. I'll show you a personal story. Some months ago, I was studying at home as I was preparing to talk on one Sunday. And, and it, we were thinking about the, the, the coming of Jesus and, and our future hope and heaven. And, and I was meditating upon these things and I had, as it were, a vision. And I, I, I had a vision, as it were, of heaven. And I, don't ask me to describe it. It wasn't that kind of vision. Uh, there's enough in the Bible. Go read that. Um, but the vision I had, I knew that's what it was. And, and I saw somebody. And he, he was tall and he was handsome. It wasn't me. And, and I saw him, and, and I knew, I knew, a fully grown man, I knew it was my boy Judah. And I, I, I saw him, and, and there we were in heaven. And I, I just had this momentary vision of this. And, and, well, you know I'm a big softy, I was in pieces. Just with that sense of my boy in heaven. And I was profoundly moved that I would see him there. And I, I, I resolve then, as I've resolved all the time, that I will do everything that is within me to lead my boy towards Jesus. You know, some of the primary motivations of my life, the deepest longing of my life is that my children would know and love Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But God granted me that just that moment. And I saw him and I knew. And I knew he was there with me. And I cried like a, like a baby. And I shared it with Erin a number of weeks after, and she cried as well, because she's a big softy too. Why am I sharing this with you? Because it's about hearts. It's about your longing. It's not about techniques. It's not about the memorization of scripture. It's about, do you have a heart of longing for folks who are lost? And please let me tell you, my boy, he's not a Christian yet. You don't just get born a Christian because you're the pastor's kid. <laughs> He's going to need to come to faith in Jesus one day down the road. But I long for that day. I'll do everything that's within my power. Power's probably not the right word, but I'll do everything that I've got for that. Because I long for it. I long for it. Jesus longs for the lost. Do we? Will we go because of that kind of a longing? We have at home a little... Um, book that we read sometimes at bedtime and it's called stories jesus told and it's like six or seven stories in there with nice illustrations they're quite quick i really like that book because it means we can get story time done i can put judah to bed um but they're really good stories as well as i was thinking about this and thinking about a story i'm just going to share in a moment um i was really kind of profoundly moved to understand that so many of the stories Jesus told were about lost ones, folks who were lost, people who were far away. Jesus was moved by people who were lost. 
Luke chapter 15 is stuffed with these stories. There's one about a lady with those 10 silver coins. She loses one, doesn't she? And then she lights a lamp, she sweeps the house, she searches under everything, everywhere to find that lost coin. In Judah's little book, The Coins Underneath the Cat, just in case you're ever looking for a lost coin, always look under the cat. Um, But she looks for it, she's desperate to find it. She won't go to sleep, she won't give up, she won't move on to anything else. She finds the coin. And she celebrates, doesn't she? She calls on her friends and her neighbours saying, what was lost is found. Because it's a heart issue. You know, if, if it was just like, you know, there was a bill that needed to be paid and she lost it and then she was searching for it and finding it, that's not a heart issue really, is it? That's an obligation. You know, you know there's a bill, you know you've got to pay it, you search for it because you have to, and then you pay it in the end. You're not going to call up your neighbour, are you? And say, thank goodness I found the gas bill and I've been able to pay it. Would you please praise God with me? Um, It's not going to happen, is it? It's not a heart issue. But when it's a heart issue, then you move not only to devote your life to it, but to celebrate the goodness of God in it. I read about a guy, James Howells was his name, And using his home PC, he mined himself 7,500 bitcoins way back in 2009. They were worth pretty much nothing then, but he had the technology, he was interested, so he thought he'd do it. And he stored them on his hard drive. Crucially, though, he did not back up his hard drive. After a while, It didn't seem like it was worth anything. He just took apart the PC without thinking about it. And uh, he kept the hard drive in a drawer. Later on still, he threw the hard drive away at the local landfill tip, thinking it had nothing on it. When Bitcoin started to rise in value, he returned to the landfill site to see whether it might be possible to find it. The site foreman showed him an area roughly the size of a football field and said it could be buried anywhere in that up to five feet deep. Additionally, there would be no guarantee that the Bitcoin data on it could be restored. It was gone. Do you want to know what the value of those Bitcoins would be? I know you do. At today's exchange rate, or this was actually in 4th of January 2020, I found this story. The value of those lost Bitcoins would be 41.9 million pounds. Yeah? Goodness me. (laughs) The moral of the story is back up your hard drive. No, not really. (laughs) 41.9. I got your attention, didn't it? About losing something so precious, so profound. 41.9 million pounds. Christians... What we're talking about this evening is the loss now, potentially for eternity, of priceless men and women and boys and girls. And I, you know, I don't share this story to try and trap you, but it's quite possible we're more excited by a story about the loss of money than we are about stories about the loss of men and women. And if that's the case, then we need to come to Jesus Christ and say, God, would you move me with a heart for the lost? Lord Jesus, just as you told story after story about the lost, God, let my language, my conversation be littered with longing for people who are lost to be found and to come to you, 
Jesus Christ. This is what we shape our church around. And increasingly so. Over recent years, uh, the, the, the shape and the look and the feel sometimes of, of aspects of our church, it's changed. And we've invited you uh, to form your life and your churchmanship and your church practice around that idea of seeing a, a transform world through transform lives. The world's too big for any of us. It's too big even for any small grouping of us. So it's, we've said, narrow your focus. Join with others in transformed communities gathered around a missional call. It might be a neighborhood. It might be a network. It might be a need. Recognize that there are some folks that you are naturally doing life with, bumping into, knowing, and that Jesus Christ is calling you to go to them. Please God, he's giving us a heart for them as well. We've been shaping our church around this so that we, we don't see our church solely as something that we gather to on a Sunday, whether the morning or the evening or even on both occasions, but we see that as one side of the coin, the other being how it is that we are scattering, going together in our transformed communities and additionally going in every area of our life. Truth of the matter is, you're going to be talking with and meeting with folks who are far from God I'm never going to meet them. I'm just never going to meet them. I'm never going to bump into them ever. They're never actually, some of them, going to come to this church, or at least they're not going to come here first. But they will meet you. They will see you. They will hear you. By God's grace, they're going to be, to be met with and, and blessed by some of our transformed communities. I know in our transformed community, we've had the, the privilege and the, and the blessing of being able to connect with a small number so far, but, but a great number of people who have never been through the doors of this building. Truth be told, at the moment, they have no intention of coming through the doors of this building. I don't say that as a negative thing. It's just the reality of it. So we as a community have the, the possibility of going to them. And this is what we're shaping our church around. A church, one side of the coin, we gather. We gather to celebrate what God is doing, what he has done in our lives, what he is doing. But we're inspired and encouraged and commissioned to go together in our transformed communities on the front line of our lives to go with a longing for the lost in the power of the Spirit of God, that we might go, that we might be sent by God, and that we might see God doing wonders in our world. In the Bible, we find a really good description of this kind of a church, and it's there at the end of Acts 2. The Bible tells us that they, that is the disciples, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. It's just this beautiful description of the life of the church, and it's something for us to unpack on another occasion. 
There's an incredible promise at the end of that passage that God was adding day by day to their number, those who were being saved. What a wonder. But in amongst this, we see a group of people who are attending the temple. They're gathering in the large setting, and they're also in homes, in the smaller setting. But in both of these places, they're seeking God, and they're being on the mission of God. They're glorifying him. They're showing what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And they're inviting others into this. They're inviting others in through praise, through worship, through service, through the sharing of their belongings, the meeting of needs. They're inviting others in through the provision of prayer for healing and the seeing of the miraculous happening. They're inviting one another in through fellowship, through being with one another. And this is how we want our church to be formed. Yes, there is a a space for, as it were, the temple, the gathering. But there's also a space for the together in homes, for the neighborhood Christians seeking to see Jesus Christ at work where they are. Christians, this is our church. This is us. I've said it on many occasions, but I'm going to say it again. If you solely attend our gatherings and you're not yet part of one of our transformed communities, you've got half a coin. You might as well have some of those bitcoins in that hard drive in a landfill somewhere. Half a coin. Who would want such a thing? You need to be with other believers on mission. Uh, When I say it like that, it sounds just like a demand, doesn't it? Oh, Pastor Greg's badgering me again. And, you know, you might hear it like that. Which is why we've talked extensively and why we're now going to pray about our need for a heart for the lost. Because this is what allows our lives to be shaped. This is what allows us to say, I'm tired, but I'm still going to go to my transformed community on Tuesday or Thursday or whenever it is. Because I want to be with these people, encouraging them and going with them and finding new ways that we can share the love of Jesus in our neighborhood. This is why when we have a scattered Sunday on the second Sunday of every month, why we don't say, oh, I I wish we could just gather more. But but why we say, actually, I'm willing to reframe, reform something of my Sunday so that I can give my best to the mission of Jesus Christ. I tell you, we need to allow our longing for the lost to be the uppermost consideration of our lives. We've talked about it already this evening, but Jesus is coming again. Oftentimes we feel it, we sense that time is short. And even if Jesus doesn't come before our lives finish on this earth, well, our lives are short. They're not nearly as long as we think they are. I know there's some young people here and you you probably think you're going to live forever. But hey, I'm 40 and I'm, I'm very much aware that I'm not. And some of you are older than me and you're probably more aware of it still. Our lives are short. We need God to awaken within us a longing for the lost so that we would say, all right, whatever it takes. Reframe my life, reform my life, reform my churchmanship, my engagement with my brothers and sisters so that we might go to the lost, to the needy, to those who are far from God and bring to them this good news of saving grace. I tell you, Jesus already is. He already is. 
So there's a very simple question for you. Do you really want Jesus to come to you? He's with the lost. Do you really want Jesus to stop doing that and come and spend more time with you? Or would you rather go with him? Would you rather go with him? Come on, would you stand with me and pray? And those who are leading us in worship, they're going to come. Thank you very much. And just in a moment or two. We're going to have opportunity to bring our tithes and our offerings for those of you who want to contribute to the ministry and mission of the church. If you're with us for the first time this evening, please don't feel obliged to give. But we do so because we long to see the church of Jesus Christ grow and see people added to it. If you filled in those little cards, you can drop them in the bucket as it goes by as well. But before we get there, can we bow our heads in prayer? And consider for a moment. Now this evening, it might be simply that you didn't understand why you should go. And as I've explained to you the scriptures of Jesus commissioning you, of inviting you, asking you to always be prepared, that your witness is important, is precious. As we've talked about these things, maybe you, you agree. And you're like, yes, I agree. I must go. And I will. I'll share my story. I'll love Jesus. And I'll help others to love Jesus too. And if that's you, that's wonderful. May God bless you and encourage you and equip you in that. May he fill you with his spirit that you might be empowered for these works of service. This evening, maybe there's some of us and we're saying, well, I know the ins and outs of it. But truth be told, I think my, my heart for the lost is where it's lacking. Truth be told, yes, I want people to become Christians, but that's not really what's forming my life. That's not really what is dictating my diary. Or it's not really what's sending me, shaping my days. And if that's you this evening, that I would invite you simply to ask our sending spirit, the very Holy Spirit of God, to do a work in our hearts this evening. Can I encourage you, maybe would you join me in lifting your hands to the Lord? Because I'm praying this as much as anyone, I'm sure. And I'm saying, Lord Jesus Christ, would you give me a heart for those who are far from you? To those who are lost in their sin hurting with needs hopelessness Lord Jesus Christ would you create in me a clean heart and renew within me a right spirit by which I mean a spirit like yours Jesus one that goes seeks brings salvation can you just put that in your own words would you go ahead and do that and just pray to God if you're longing for a heart for the lost just talk to him would you do that he wants to satisfy that longing and he wants to do this work within you so just talk to him whether it's out loud or quietly in your own heart it doesn't really matter but if you know that God could awaken a deeper longing within you if you know that your life needs to be shaped around the sending work of Jesus and maybe it isn't yet if you need this deep why this why of a heart like the heart of Jesus.
then say, Jesus, would you please do this in my life? He will. He will. Because this is what he cares about. And he would love for you to be joined with him in this work. Jesus, would you do this work in our hearts, we pray. Do this work in our hearts, we pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.